Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. It's uh, outside of the regular scheduled Monday podcasts here, but you know, it's a weird month in it, October, loads of games, and I felt like the Manchester United game in particular needed its own own little breakdown, a breakdown, a breakdown, um, a breakdown of the breakdown is what I was supposed to say. So who better to, to get on again, as we've established, my fellow on the fence, Happy Clapper, bit modern football, bit gammon, brother, John Bass. How you doing, mate? Good, mate. Good. Yeah, I was just um, just listening to your intro there and I was thinking, yeah, basically I'm like half stats when they suit me, uh, yeah. half football opinions when they suit me, you know, just kind of trying to find a middle ground that makes sense to me and no one else. When there's that play you don't like, it's like only 60% pass completion. <laughs> when it's exactly. a play you like, 62% pass completion, I mean, that's above average, you know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It was like well, it doesn't matter about the stats, does it? Just you know, think about how they make you feel. That's what's important. That's um, it. Until they make you feel like a prick, and then and then it's eye it. test <laughs> all the way, <laughs> like proper blokes. Um, we got we got called negative last time. Which I do you mm. know what I I want to I want to have your feelings on this, mate. Because I felt that was unfair. I don't think our last pub was negative. Did you? No, I um I spent basically I felt like a politician. Um, the next kind of pod appearance I was on was was the fighting cock. And I kind of felt like, right, I just need to basically re-establish my point I was trying to, to make, which might have come across negative to some people, because let's be honest, the things we were saying weren't, weren't positive, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's all negative. I think we're just trying to find balance to the argument. By being completely blindly positive is also quite a negative thing. So I think, and I felt, and I feel that um, basically these days, if you're just balanced you're considered negative which is a shame i did not have sexual relations with negativity <laughs> exactly i just had a conversation at a bar with negativity that's it right that's kind of yeah. in that framing of a politician that's that's where you're at right the very very much so yeah the monica Lewinsky of opinions <laughs> is where we were at um I'll, I'll put my cigars away then um call me jonica Lewinsky, <laughs> if you will <laughs> um that's thrown me a bit, that mate. I've got. I'm kind of getting <laughs> images of you now squeezed into like a little black dress, you know, with suspicious stains all over it. Yeah, God, that was a, what a hell of a time to be alive that was, man. Like, you know, yeah. all this stuff. Like, British politics has some wally like Liz Truss come in for a couple of weeks and walk out, and we make out like it's some big national thing. When what is it? Just 15, 20 years ago, you got Bill Clinton getting sucked off by someone else in the Oval Office. It's mad. Pretty mad, pretty wild. It's mad times. We've gone from Watergate scandals and Monica Lewinsky scandals to a lettuce outliving the <laughs> yeah. And people are like, this is the worst politics has ever been. Is it? Is it? <laughs> or is it the stupidest it's ever been? Oh, it's anyway. just bizarre, isn't it? Like, it's, it is, it's literally beyond parody now. But yeah. so, it's, stick to the football, yeah, mate. Let's, let's stick to the football. Um, fuck Manchester United. Fuck that game. 
I uh, I wasn't particularly angry about it, mate. I was wasn't even well. I was disappointed, obviously, but I just didn't want it to fall into that old. I wasn't angry. I was just disappointed. Cliche, but I felt like just fucking it was a kick in the bollocks you know I, re- I really felt deflated after that yeah it, do you know what do you know what mate I actually um, going back to you know after the last pod we did I was pretty down I think I was pretty um, down on the way that we play and I think we spoke about these kind of automations that Conte is supposed to, to play that you, you, uh, you and I hadn't really seen them and after we had that pod the, the games that we had Frankfurt and Everton I was actually really positive after those two games. I was like, ah, okay, maybe I've been a bit too hasty here. Particularly Everton. I, I thought Everton was a great performance. I really enjoyed watching that game for the first time yeah. um, this season, where it was a game that I really saw what we were trying to do and actually kind of got, for the first time, a bit of an insight into, okay, this is what happens when you kind of follow what he's trying to do. So I was going into this game super, super positive. <laughs> Which is generally my position. I, I would say I'm very much like happy clappy towards Spurs and blindly optimistic and a bit of a dreamer, which I think you mentioned on, on your pod directly after the game. That is where that is my default position and is going into the game on, on Sunday against Newcastle. I'm still kind of like, oh yeah, we'll be fine, we'll get back to it. So that's what I think made this even more of a kick in the teeth um, for me was that I'd kind of been like ready to, ready to be hurt again. And um, I was. It's... <sighs> Do you think it's a mentality thing, man? Because I've seen, I've obviously seen lots of people throw stuff around. It's the system. It's Conte playing too conservatively in these games. It's the same load of players that have failed consistently. Which do you know what? I buy less and less now. Really, like the only players there are what Dyer, Son, Kane, really like, and Lloris at like the heart of, I suppose Ben Davies as well, at the heart of like these successive kind of nearly men teams so I think like to keep sort of defaulting back to oh it's Daniel Levy's fault it's Enix's fault well, I mean we're spending a lot of money now really you know we're not we're not Manchester City we're not PSG so we're, I mean I don't know what people are expecting we're not going to be signing Haalander and Mbappe are we it's just that's just the reality of it and people just need to come to terms with that until we get bought out if we get bought out we're not we're not going to buy players like that so I think Tottenham are spending starting to spend pretty well now within sort of our means there's been a lot of talk saying that he's going to get given 200 million pounds but he touched on as well he touched on that the club the players there needs to be a shift in mentality because when we get to these big games we crumble and it is it is triggering like it wound me up after when I saw him say it and I thought well it's true though like he's only saying shit I've been banging on about on here for the past couple of years in that it's all well and good when Spurs can kind of turn up against Everton or even Brighton away, which it was it was a good result. I'm not going to take anything away from it, but it wasn't like a, a big game, you know. But we've seen over these past few years, when we were top of the table with Jose and people started to say, maybe Tottenham are a, Tottenham are a team here, we crumbled at the first time when we got that Liverpool game. You know, Liverpool on the down a little bit, they still managed to turn us up. I think going into that game, they hadn't scored for like fucking four or five games. I think they'd lost about six in a row, something mad like that. But we still kind of fell down. Um, so do you, do you think we do have a mentality issue in these games? Or Because, I mean, you know, the peak behind the curtain for everybody, we were talking on WhatsApp about how 
teams of this size approach a game against Tottenham because it seems like they always show up against us, right? United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, all of them. Tottenham is always a game for all of these clubs, right? Even clubs lower down the league. I mean, the, the thing that sort of triggered me off on that saying that was, and I don't know if other people noticed this, maybe it's just my own insecurity, but Casemiro was literally on his knees like he'd won the World Cup when it went 2-0 up. I, I don't see players do that against like other teams, not even some of the big games. Like Outside of maybe Liverpool and City, if United was to go 2-0 up, would you see that response from, from him? But it just it seems weird. It does seem like the, these teams... like have an extra level of care against us and maybe that's just being like oh woe is me woe is Tottenham kind of thing I don't know but yeah I think with this with the the mentality thing I think there must be something in it right because all the evidence points to the fact that we haven't been able to get something over the line so it's almost remiss of me to be like no it's not a mentality problem it it must be to a certain extent right we've got we've got players who've done things um, individually and, and even the team have performed in, in spells really well, right? You mentioned there when we were under Mourinho and we were sort of top of the league at a certain point. We've had, you know, players score like a bucket load of goals. Uh, we've had, you know, points over um, calendar years that would have like won us leagues in any other kind of decade. All this kind of mad statistics. But for whatever reason, we haven't been able to actually get something over the line. So there is there is definitely something there. But I also think that the last couple of managers we've had, so like Jose... Nuno and now uh, Conte they set themselves up in a way which is a um, is a back foot approach it's a you, the, the other team have got to do something to beat us rather than we're going to do something to beat them and I do think that leaves you exposed from a mentality point of view of when it goes wrong it's really hard to then come back from that point whereas I think under say Poch and I'll use it as an example because we, en- we ended up losing and not getting what, what we wanted, but it felt better, was the Battle of the Bridge. We went out fighting. We went out on our sword, basically, trying to do something. And when things were going wrong, the players were still, I think, like the mentality was still like, fuck this, like we're not going to just let this go. I just saw abject like defeat, basically, in the players' body language and attitude. And even in Conte's attitude, if you look at the Arsenal game, just made changes so we didn't get battered not changes to get back in the game. I, mm. I'm looking at it when we're 2-0 we're down against Man United with 30 minutes to go thinking we can get something. That's how I'm thinking about it because I'm, I'm looking at it thinking we, we can do that. We have the players capable of doing it that are even on the pitch. You make a couple of changes, sometimes it's just a just an injection of a player. Even a player like Brian Hill who's, not, who's done really nothing in a spur shirt, he might just go on a run and just dink one in or just score or just do something or get a penalty or get a free kick, something. But the mentality is, well, let's just make defensive substitutions so we don't concede more goals. That pragmatic mentality, I think, breeds fear in in players. Maybe it doesn't Mm. in Italian players who are used to pragmatic football. That is their way they play. But I think think there's something in that that we've created this mentality of fear of you can't make a mistake. And as soon as we do, we just blow up and go to bits. And most of the games we play in, the opposition... And we've seen that, right? We've picked up a... It's been our best start to a season in terms of points collected. Against most teams, that'll work because we've got better players and we do a job. But when it really matters, I think it's it's an issue that we're going to face time and time again because we play defensive negative football and we're going to get defensive negative results. And you know, just quickly on this point, mate, I think you know I've seen the stats around... Well, no team 
has won any points away from home against the other top six. Fine, but when someone does, they'll probably win the league. And if we want to win things, we have to break that. Otherwise, it's just status quo. And that, to me, is also a bit of an issue. So, yeah, I, I, I think it is a bit mentality, but it was also down to the mentalities being created by the way that we're being coached to play. Rocking all over the world, mate. That's all I'm thinking of now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I like it, I like it. You remember the dancer they used to do on stage where they're like swinging their guitars about and in sync. Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, mate. Uh, I'm, I'm actually doing it now. Just I, yeah. I've, I've actually seen. I saw them live once. You know when you kind of I think it was festival. I saw them. They were like on in the middle of the day. Do you know what I mean? I thought, oh, go on then, fucking let's go. Yeah. Let's go yeah, watch status quite. quo. Uh, a few bangers but everyone's there just to watch like fucking rocking all over the world aren't they shaking inflatable guitars about um, yeah I mean we'll, we'll talk about the the shots conceded thing because I think it's only it's something like only Leicester and Forest have had more shots conceded than we have this this year which I mean it's probably it's one of those things where this is to our conversation at the start where you're sort of blending stats and the eye test. I do think that's one of those stats that is kind of misleading, I think, mm. because I would say from having watched us week in, week out, you can see that we are conceding shots, but we're conceding shots from players just hitting and hoping because we've been so well set up that they just can't break through there quality opportunities are limited so they're just sort of twatting one from wherever we've seen that happen quite a lot I think the more damning one for me is I think it's the 68 shots we've conceded to get away against Arsenal United and Chelsea this season which I mean even that though I say that I don't really remember Arsenal or Chelsea creating that many quality opportunities in those games either um the United game is definitely the aberration there to me because they had several really... And, you know, if, if Lloris hadn't been, other than his butterfingered moment at the start of the game, if he hadn't have been on song, I think we would have we would have conceded quite a few more. I mean, that's not really a big take, is it? Goalkeeper performs well, so we don't concede more goals. Well done, Jack. Uh, fucking hell. State of it. I just... Oh, mate, it's just... When it... When it's not, and I, I realise like how much I yo-yo on this, but when it's bad, it's really fucking bad, isn't it? Like mm. watching this because it sounds ridiculous to say, but last year it was I was fucking raging. I was so annoyed um, when we we lost to the Ronaldo hat trick, but you know we still scored a couple. We had a proper good fight there, and he had a worse he had a like he had a worse team at that point. It just feels like this year he's like... Remember how Mourinho changed after we drew 3-3 with West Ham? 3-0 up and then we went to 3-3. And it just seemed from that point on, Mourinho was just like, no, just defend and long ball. And that was it. It almost feels like Conte's gone into this season being like, right, well, I haven't managed to get all of the players I wanted to get in the summer. So what I'm going to do is just kind of set up really really defensively I don't know if he felt like he had less to lose at the tail end of last year he was picking up a club halfway through a season he was very eager to be like you know this isn't really my problem like the state of this club I've never really you know whatever I'll, I'll try and do what I can but it feels like it's more maybe that it's more on him now it, it, it just it don't it just seems really different right this this year 
Yeah, I think so because I think when um, when I was talking about my frustrations in terms of playing style, I, I always get reminded of, well, yeah, but don't you think the last like sort of ten games of last season were really good? And I'm like, yeah, they were really good, but I'm I'm not seeing that the first few games of this season. That's that's probably my issue is the the style of football we were getting end of last year is was a for me anyway was like a tolerable level. It was like pretty pretty good like we were trying to take possession we were like playing in a way where I could see what we were trying to do but this year I haven't really seen it but the results have been the same like we've been picking up in the majority wins and we've put ourselves in a pretty good position in fact a, like, a really good position is our best ever start to a Premier League so it's really it is really hard to argue with the outcome um, of what he's trying to do it's just more for me it's just the the approach is it does seem different I mean even you know even things like the kind of reliance on Royale like when we were really doing well and Doherty was playing pretty well again I was like kind of enjoying that and up until Doherty got injured you could really see there was some progression in the player and also just the way we were playing because he is you know more forward thinking than than Royale but he's just stuck with Royale this season like, and I know Doherty's been coming back um, and I've wanted to see Spence from the beginning and for whatever reason he doesn't feel he's ready which again he sees him every day in training fair yeah. enough but I just, I just feel like you're right. Last season, if we'd have, for whatever reason, just had Spence join, um, sort of midway through him being there, I think he'd have played more. Whereas this season, I feel like there is definitely some reservation, and there's definitely reservation with making subs and using players throughout the squad that we've got there. And I, I think that is costing us. People are talking about um, player fitness in this game, and we look tired. And I sort of like. Part of me gets it, but part of me looks at other clubs and I think they don't rotate really. Like De Bruyne plays every minute for City; he always has done. And like, I don't think he's tired like eight, ten games into the season, wherever we are now. And again, I know that the running stats we're the highest and we run the furthest and all this stuff. But then I hear, oh well, maybe he's playing this way to reserve the players' legs because of the World Cup. Well, they can't run the most distance and be reserving themselves for no. Well, it doesn't make sense. So I'm just a little bit lost, and maybe maybe there's. Maybe there's a little bit that with him. He doesn't know whether to, to stick or twist a little bit now. Um, maybe that's what we're seeing because when we went 2-0 down, just nothing happened. For the, like Nothing happened. And it was... One thing I do agree with Conte in is that there isn't enough, enough depth in the squad. He doesn't mm. have enough options to do things with. But he does have options. He just doesn't want to use them. And that was the bit that really was the most frustrating thing for me of all was like you have a game plan we're all on board with it it's picked up points this season when it doesn't go right though it just nothing changes and we saw that Arsenal and now we've seen it against United and that's the thing that I, my main criticism of what he's doing in game is like he's not doing anything in game and that wor- that does worry me if I'm honest it's, it's funny isn't it because you wonder if things can be this sort of base if they can be this binary but I think one of the glaring things is despite all this conversation we're having one of the most sort of obvious Occam's razor type points is we just don't have Kulosevsky. Yeah. And the tail end of last year when we were absolutely flying, he was flying. And for whatever reason, inexplicably, the start... I mean, it seems mad now. Now that we don't have him available to us, it seems almost criminal that Conte wasn't starting him like from the beginning of the season, every single game. Um, because it just seems like one of the biggest things we're missing now is somebody to be able to... Prob- I mean, Hoybeer gives it his best shot, right? I think he his passing is is decent. But the way in which 
Kulisevsky can sort of pick the ball up and just drive into the opposition half and create something as well. Create something consistently, like those whip crosses he puts in. Um, and just the fact he's a, he's a goal threat himself. I mean, I've, I've said this before, but dare I say he's he, he's almost like one of our most important, if not our most important players nowadays. And it just seems like, I don't. It seems like we're sort of playing with like you know we're fighting with one arm tied behind our back type thing, you know, at the moment because I did. I don't know. United United was a horror show, right? I thought United was just totally awful. But even in games like you know. Even in games like the Everton game, we were good. But I'm watching that and I'm thinking, we can still be better than that, though. You know, I've still seen us play better than that. And it it, it just feels like it's missing him. And I, there seems to be no... It seems to be Tottenham doing another Tottenham, doesn't it? That we, we're not really being that forthcoming in how long he's going to be out for, what's actually wrong with him. And probably, you know, it's one of those things... We're probably just sensitive to it because we see our own club doing it. I'm sure most clubs are probably like that. They're probably not all openly kind of publicising how affected their players are, how long they're going to be out for. Because I would imagine, like a lot of the time, you know, people's bodies are just different. People people have different recovery times and it's probably hard to say, right? I don't know. Um, you've touched there, John, on on the squad depth or lack thereof, where where do you stand on... Because uh, it's, it's such a polarising topic, right? We've obviously... We've done Conte. Let's go on to Enoch. Let's go on to Daniel Levy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, where where do you stand on him? Because, I've again, like I am with a lot of things, I'm, I do often sit on the fence with them. I've had times when I've really, you know, prioritising building the stadium, not backing Pochettino, and I thought we had probably the best chance to win the lot we've ever had I I had zero time for them I was, I was so pissed off but I think from that point to now the stadium has been delivered and I feel like we're starting to sort of reap the benefits of it I am seeing tangible investment going into the club right we're buying players like Richarlison we're probably giving somebody like Perisic you'd imagine 100 grand 150 grand a week to come and play for us bring in that experience it's it's they're breaking kind of the model that we've been used to or has been associated with Tottenham with Enoch and their kind of long-term speculation buying young players with a view to selling them on I don't I still see commentators and pundits and even Spurs fans saying that that's what Enoch do and I, I, I don't see that anymore I don't you know the days of us selling Carrick and that sort of thing to me it seems way behind us now Kyle Walker people bring up but Kyle Walker wanted to go him and Pochettino clearly fell out you know, I think it was a different sort of circumstance. Selling to Manchester City was probably a bit of a misstep, but, you know, is what it is. Um, but, I mean, I, I see us as a club that we are starting to speculate now. We are putting money into it. And I just feel that people are kind of getting too warped by, like I say, the sort of money that is available to clubs like Manchester City, even Manchester United a bit further down the ladder than that. But still, you know, they've got a few quid, right? Yeah, I mean, look, I think as as football fans... The only way you are 100% happy with your owners if they just spend relentlessly. And there's, there's only a handful of clubs who are able to do that. And they have very questionable ownership, let's say, um, in terms of their sort of moral efficacy of their ownership. So for everyone else, you're, you're kind of looking at like short term things. And I, I was exactly the same. There was, you know, times under Redknapp, the um, Zaha and Nelson 
window, right? Where it's like, we're actually in a really good position, spend some money, speculate a little bit, maybe we could do something. We don't, it doesn't go the way we want, fair enough. Under Pochettino, that team, you know, those sort of back-to-back seasons of doing really good stuff, it's like, just invest now and really back this team. That's what you want as a football fan. But when you're looking at the bigger picture and you're looking at what was going on around that time, it's like we were building a like a billion, we're spending billions of pounds on building a stadium to try and give like longevity to the success and to give a platform to hopefully build success for the next 10, 20, 30 years. So we look at things very season to season, like just spend it now, now, do it now, now's the time. They're planning over decades. They're looking at things over 10 years. And if you look at, if you look at it through that prism, you look at it through when they came in to where we are now, it has been net good, hasn't it? Like they've they've improved the club in basically every aspect except the one that the fans really want and what all this stuff is building towards, which is success on the pitch, trophies and something that comes out of that. But again, it's the same sort of thing. I think we spoke about it on the last um, pod I was on, which is does an FA Cup or a League Cup or a couple even, does that really materially change anything? for us like in the, in that period let's just say we won one FA Cup and one League Cup in this time that's been there people will still be saying yeah it's not good enough though like do you really do you really think that solves all your problems you haven't won the league still you know you haven't done you haven't done anything in the Champions League it, it just it just kind of carries on whereas the only way that you get to those prizes is by being in a, a financial situation that will help you to start bringing in players that are 50, 60 million, that are 150, 200, 300 grand a week. You need an extremely large amount of revenue self-generated because we don't have an, an oil nation to just basically sponsor us. You, you can only do that by building a stadium. And if we build a stadium, you can't spend money on players at the same time. So I have a lot of sympathy for what they're trying to do. But, but was I pissed off at the time because I wanted to see us bring three or four players in to try and help us win a league in that one season? Absolutely. But... Yeah, I guess I'm I'm still kind of I'm still kind of net positive with them and I think actually this has been since Conte's come in, I think this is now what we should expect basically. Right? We should expect to spend decent money on decent footballers and start to grow and develop and see the likes of Kulusevski's, Bentancur's, Romero's not being the exception. And actually the trend now is that we are signing like one very good player per window which is what we need to be doing if we do want to transform this club. And that's why, to go back to my previous point, the one thing I really do agree with Conte on is he is going to need, or you know, we as a club are going to need, a couple of transfer windows to, to really like upgrade the quality of the players that we've got if mm. we do want, to, do want to compete. And I think that so far, they've given him largely what he wants. So we'll see how that continues over the next couple of transfer windows. It's just one of these things, though, isn't it, mate? Like you can, and you, you need to, I mean, at the end of the day, it's... <laughs> Football at this level, right? You don't, you don't build the type of stadium that we've built and try and get the type of sponsorship deals and every, basically build the brand that we have now if you don't want to compete, right? And I think this is this is the bit that I don't fully buy when people say, oh, you know, they're just interested in making money. Well, the, the two things go hand in hand, right? Um, I mean, like... It's... Look, let's look at let's look at the Glazers. Let's look at Manchester United, right? I see United fans constantly talking about how the Glazers have ruined their club and all this type of stuff. And I'm, it it always feels like gymnastics to me, right? It feels like from the outside, you can see Manchester United ploughing so much money. Like this, Anthony Martinez and Casemiro this summer. 
for close to three hundred million pounds, right? Like each player was almost about hundred mil each. I believe, say they say eighty million per player, right? So about two hundred fifty mil they've spent in a window. And I'm sure they, I can't remember, but I'm sure they've bought other players as well around that. They're still not going to win the league this year. Let's be honest. They're not going to win the league for another probably ten years. You wouldn't imagine. Like maybe they'll get it once in that time, but their fans aren't happy with that. You know, it 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 turns to like these. There's always these other reasons. Oh, it's because they put a Rick and Morty poster up outside the stadium, or you know, all all this type of shit. I just ultimately like fans. They we want to win stuff, right? And people aren't going to be happy unless. Generally speaking, unless we do win things, when we compromise parts of our identity, when we, you know, we we look at somebody like Conte, we think, well, he doesn't play Tottenham the Tottenham way, the football that we've always known, and that's kind of you know, it's, it has sort of become a bit of a fallacy for the past few years. We sort of say, well, what's the Tottenham way ever gotten us, and all of this type of stuff. You know, I would still say, well, the, it still won as a double, didn't it, and won as a couple of UEFA cups and a load of FA cups and stuff like that. So. We've, we, there is form there, but modern football is changing, right? It it is different. You look at kind of Guardiola, the type of football he plays. It's not exactly swashbuckling. It's ruthlessly effective, but it's not the most exciting football by any means. Liverpool are probably the best footballing team I've seen in ten, fifteen years, and they only managed to get one league title after after all that. After how brilliantly they played, they got one league title out the end of it, um, and. They lost that to Manchester City, you know, and it's, it's pertinent. We we talk about this because we've got Newcastle coming up this weekend, and they're they're going to be in my, they're going to be like City in less than ten years. They're going to be another team like that, and it's sort of it always it just it begins to really beg the question like where do we as football fans and not just Tottenham fans, football fans outside of those who support teams like Manchester City and Newcastle, where do we where do we bring our like where do you derive joy from you know you look at SPL SPL stadiums a lot of those are still packed out big teams like Hearts big teams like Hibs stuff like that they still kind of get full houses they won the fucking league for donkey's years none of them but they're still out there enjoying themselves and it just seems like it's so miserable in the Premier League at the moment people are not taking well even though for the majority of the Premier League Manchester United were winning it it feels different now with City, right? They they feel almost invincible, um, and I I don't even think their fans are that happy really anymore. Would you? I mean, would you honestly be that happy if we were that, John? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. The thing is, they've just become they they've sort of become a bit like what United had, where they've just become so used to it that it's like it's a mild inconvenience if they don't win one of the four trophies available each season. But when they do win it, it's just like oh, good. Like that's part. The par now for them is to win the League Cup, probably the FA Cup, and the League. That's par now, which is mental when you think about it. I mean, look at the League Cup. They've monopolised the most meaningless trophy out of all the trophies that are, that are possible. So even the one that people used to go, well, that's the one we could win to kind of kick us up and get us going. They just win it for a laugh. <laughs> so their fans don't give a shit about it, but they just win it anyway. They just suck it into their atmosphere and just win it. So... Even winning the League Cup is now sort of very distant for most teams because they can't compete with a City. Even if they get all the way to the final and then they play City, they're going to put their strongest team out and smash you anyway. So that's become like less um, like plausible for teams to win. And City just 
just dominate everything. The, the one thing that they don't win seemingly is the one thing that their fans don't give a shit about anyway, which is the Champions League for this weird reason that I don't really understand something to do with Champions League music and flags or something. But they don't they don't have this desire and desperation like, you know, United and Liverpool have for obvious like historical reasons or Chelsea had because they wanted to be that club to do it. The city just don't seem to care as much about that. And I know the hierarchy do, but the fans I'm talking about. So it's a, it's a very like it's a very weird situation that we live in and I, and I do think that football has changed so much where when United won it like each most of the time each season it felt like it meant a lot to them the players mm. and to to their club like it felt important like they were chipping away at Liverpool and obviously then they overtook them in terms of totally so it meant something and you know even every summer it wasn't like they were spending like mega bucks or wages were in line with other big clubs in Europe, which is why those big players were spread around the sort of Real Madrids and the AC Milans. And, you know, you look at the AC Milan team of the era when Man United were amazing. They had an amazing team as well. And there were amazing teams kind of dotted around. There were amazing players dotted around. It seems like now they're just sort of sucked to the Premier League and the best ones of the best crop get sucked to Man City. So it, it just Bellingham's going to be there in a couple of years, right? Well, of course he is. Because I looked at Bellingham a couple of... When he went to Dortmund, I thought... Wow, that'd be a great signing for Spurs. And I just laughed at myself thinking, there's not, we have got zero chance of getting him yeah. because City will go, oh, well, who's it time to upgrade now? We'll just go and give him the wages that he wants. And, and again, like now they, they, we live in a world where they don't even have to spend money on players. Haaland went there for next to fuck all, but they can just pay him wages that are just astronomical and they can just get him in. So I, I, I think I said in the last pod, the reason that I'm kind of, uh, less big on Conte's style of football and this idea that playing that way will equal winning is that I don't think it does anymore not in the Premier League because I sort of think like it's it's so dominated by City teams like okay they're, they're having a blip now but Liverpool were ahead of us Chelsea again they're, they're basically stable again and they're going to have loads of money um, and they've already got good players there they're, they're financially in better positions than we are to be able to really like capitalise. They've got that kind of stronger base to go from. So what are we doing it all for? Like, What are we actually doing it all for? Because, you know, to your point, a lot of teams in the SPL, they know they're never going to win the league, but they go week in, week out, and they love it. I've got friends who support championship clubs. It's the fifth most watched league in the world, or in Europe anyway, in terms of like um, people that go to games. Right, which is mental when you think about it. Like mid-table championship teams, they, they they sell out most weeks at home. It's amazing. Why are they doing it? Because they, they love the game and there's still the hope and the dreams and the enjoyment of watching football. If you're not enjoying watching football and the only reason that you're prepared to do that is because you're going to win something and then you don't, what is the point? <laughs> and I know this. Is, uh, we've gone from the beginning going, oh, maybe people thought we were negative and now I'm basically um, coming up with nihilism as my answer. But what is the point? That's the thing that I think is... Um, is the most bleak. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. It's, it is weird, isn't it? Because I get it like, all right, it might not be for you or I, Conte style. And I, I, I think it, you know, it does seem to be a very polarizing issue. 50-50 right down the middle. And I see, I often see people talk about like the, the Conte situation as in like fans are entitled. I think, I, I do think sometimes people misread it. Um, you know, they, it's, it's always kind of billed as like, oh yeah, Spurs were really good before Conte came in, but now we, Spurs fans feel so entitled to win something that they want to get rid of a serial winner and blah, blah. It's like, it's, don't get me wrong, this ain't about like, I think we're going to stand a better chance of winning something without Antonio Conte. Yeah. I think it's more that I'm starting to reconcile the fact that, you know, just winning stuff really in England now, as much as it's kind of turned into war a trophy, let's all have a laugh at Spurs. It, it ain't that simple anymore. Like, you know, you said it yourself, like we, uh, City can just show up. We, we were in the League Cup final with City a couple of years ago. They can just show up and just be like, that's another that's another trophy for us. We just have to play in this game. And that's that. And I do think we were sort of, we were touching on it at the top. I, I do still think Spurs were in that unique position whereby we are, we are definitely, we are the best of the rest, right? If we, yeah. if you consider, you know, still that kind of, that sort of sky, big, you know, city, City are only there. I don't think City really have the stature of a club even bigger than us. City are just—they're weird. They're like a—they're like a placeholder now. You know, they're just kind of a, a a thing. I don't even—I don't even think it's Manchester City anymore. That's the weird thing. It's almost like just—you know, like in uh, Silence of the Lambs when Buffalo Bill wears the fucking policeman's face. It's kind of no, it's, it's Hannibal Lecter, wasn't it? Hannibal. Not Buffalo Bill. Yeah, Hannibal when he wears the policeman's face. And it, it kind of, it just feels like, yeah, the, the City have just, their skin has been wrapped around this thing, this entity that just wants to kind of take over sport, take over football, if you like. Um, so they're, they're there. But if, if you think about like Liverpool, United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs, like, yeah, we don't have the Premier League success. So we are still outside of that bracket. Like we've, yeah, we've, finished above Liverpool, Arsenal, whatever, for a few years here and there and stuff like that. But still, I think if we're all being honest, we know in the Premier League era, like we're, we're still slightly behind that lot. Um, we're trying to catch up with them. But I, I always feel that we sort of represent this team to teams like that, that they know we're kind of on their tails. And for them, it's always a bit of a yardstick of, can we still beat... Top? Like, where are we? Like A team like Manchester United... They're looking at this like where they are now, thinking, "Well, we're not, we're not the sort of the bombastic Fergie era Manchester United that's going up for the title, but we can still have Tottenham on our own patch, right? Come on, it's you know, come lads, it's Tottenham type shit." And so they'll always turn up, and like you, you were saying about Casemiro, sort of celebrating like he's just won the World Cup with Brazil, sort of falling down to his knees and all that type of stuff. I feel like we we are sort of pushing water up a hill in that respect. Mm. Um, and then, so, like, when I see, like, I understand, like, the thing is, 
I try not to take it too personally. I do. I do still think there's a kind of a, a, a thread with Antonio Conte where he does act like he's doing us a bit of a favour. That he acts like he's and the the athletic the lads that do the athletic pod, the view from the lane. I I, I like listening to them because they're not. You know, Jack Pitt Britt isn't a Spurs fan. Um, and I can't remember what his name is. They've got a new lad on there at the moment who's like a Wolves fan. Um, but they normally have Charlie Eccleshare on there as well, who's not a Spurs fan. And I, I always quite using them as a bit of a yardstick and wondering, like, what are the points where I'm just getting emotional about an issue because I'm a Spurs fan? Um, I don't know. I just think they they provide quite a good yardstick. And they even they were saying that, like, for example, after this United press conference... They sort of, they seemed quite actually quite concerned by a lot of what Conte was saying. They felt that he was kind of reverting again back to a bit of his last season. I'm a bit above all this. What am I really supposed to do with these tools that are made available to me? It's like I don't really get how much longer he keeps being able to say that stuff. But I mean, whatever. It's a, it's a different. That's a different matter entirely. I mean, I just I think the thing is is like. I understand he wants to win stuff. We've hired a guy that is a winner, right? He he should be probably at a Real Madrid or somebody like that, pissing the league and making a good fist of it in the Champions League, even though he's never made a good fist of it in the Champions League. But, you know, that's a different issue entirely. So we're still in this place now with everything that we're saying about money, about the landscape of football now, is what is it like? Is it, it maybe it's enough for some people? Maybe I'm pissing on it for other people. Maybe the hope of us maybe winning something under Antonio Conte, even if the football isn't to everyone's liking, is enough for them. Even you know, to be able to shut out the noise of Manchester City, of Chelsea, of Man United, of Liverpool, all the rest of it, and just think, look, we've got this guy in charge, and if we just get a couple of signings right, maybe we can just on that one year, sneak in and win the Premier League. And I get that. Maybe it's more a reflection on me. Maybe I am too jaded when I talk about Manchester City or Newcastle and I see kind of like just the amount of money there that they can just spend so easy. You know, I've, I've already seen kind of like people saying, oh, Newcastle, you know, they, they, haven't, they, they haven't bought Haaland. They haven't gone for Mbappe. So all this kind of hyperbole is ridiculous. It's just, it's so disingenuous, man. Like the club has spent, what, they, what have they spent already? About a quarter of a billion pounds, I think, since the Saudis have come in. And that's just going to keep happening. Every single year, you can guarantee they will sign four or five 30 to 50 million pound players and just keep on doing that. Whereas, you know, we can't do that. And so I, I guess I, I revert back to this place of thinking like, well, when have I had fun as a Tottenham fan? Yo, Redknapp. Pochettino and by all means these were all times when we still we played nice football and we still kind of had that hope of I felt still had that hope of winning something or at least kind of achieving something Yol was a bit further back but with Yol it was maybe qualifying for the Champions League which was a bigger deal for Tottenham then under Redknapp and under Pochettino it probably was closer to like can we sneak a league title or you know finishing the kind of top two or at least push for the title and I don't think we have to compromise as much as as the conversation is is made out of the moment. But, but this is kind of this is this is sort of old ground, right? We've we've covered this stuff. We've covered. I'm not saying that I want Antonio Conte gone. I'm just talking about the fact that I'm not really sure 
what I'm supposed to be enjoying about it right now. The hope that we might win something, but he he keeps coming on the mic and telling everybody that we're not going to. He laughed when it was spoken about as being title contenders. Do you know what I mean? No, like, but then but then let's um you know let's let's try and bring some positivity to to top yeah, and tail. Let's do <laughs> top it. and tail. Let's let's like let's assume that. What Conte is saying isn't um, to protect himself or his own vanity. That is that it's true. In other words, what he's saying is like, right now, us winning the league is is not possible. And him laughing, I don't think is like a disrespectful thing. It's more of a case of like, have some realism. In the same way as you and I, going, it's impossible. Look at City. Look at the money they spend. Blah blah. Right. If someone asked asked you, you might laugh as part of an exchange of that conversation. Right. Just based on what the ceiling is of the league. But he is also, by his own admission and by you know his record, a a winner, someone who wants to win. He he doesn't take a job going right. I'm going to just try and finish fourth. But he has also said very clearly, I need a couple of windows here. I need to be backed. I need to be given the players that will will get me there. Now he hasn't got the players that he needs, and we all know that, right? No one's looking at this squad going. This squad is ready to win the league. We've got every player you could need in every position twice, and. We're ready to go. No one, like I'm pretty confident saying 100% of Spurs fans, when asked, would say this squad needs work, right? So let's assume that he's correct and it's going to take him a couple of transfer windows. That means the objective of this year is not to win the league. It's to finish top four. And based on the points that we're getting, we'll do that. So the success or like the measure of success this year shouldn't be whether we win the league or not or whether we play well. Based on his... Uh, kind of you know remit is to consolidate top four go into like the transfer window and get the players we need to to build towards making a title challenge so actually like if i take a step back and i take off my week to week are we playing well Mm. what the results and look at the bigger picture he came in took a side that was in pretty bad state got us playing a certain way and got us into the top four pretty much against the odds right we were pretty far off and actually you know he he did a fucking great job doing that went into the summer identified some areas that needed strengthening and all right all those signings that we got in the summer haven't exactly like lit the world up but they are improvement they are better than what we had and it is a step in the right direction are there still gaps yeah massively like there's loads of areas that we could still improve right we don't have a creative midfielder you know, I think I think our fullbacks are pretty poor and they need to be turned over. But we signed Destiny Dogi, who's, who's ripping it up in Italy. He's probably going to come next year. And then you've got we've still got Spence, who is going to have a season of learning under Conte. If suddenly next year we've got Destiny on one side and Spence, two young, rapid attacking fullbacks, it almost like could transform what we're trying to do from our sort of wingbacks. You sign a couple of creative midfielders that can give you a bit of a change in midfield when you're three five two that we don't have. Upgrade a you know centre back option so that if Dyer's not on it, you can rotate someone who we don't lose there. Bring in another replacement for Kulusevski so when he's not playing, you've got another attacking threat. Suddenly, you're going okay, fine. I'm on board now because this isn't their swashbuckling attacking football, but there is progress in the right direction. And so I am constantly trying to remind myself while it's so easy to pick at Conte of the way that he plays and the things that we do, like Enoch and the general direction over a longer period of time. If you give him that longer period of time and he doesn't do it, fair enough. But right now, the direction of travel is net good. And I think we we all, myself included, have to just give him the time to do it. We might not like the way it's happening, but so far, like the overall net results are positive. And that's why I am I'm will remain 
critical of the way we play because I don't like it, but I will back him to be successful as long as he is doing what he said he's going to do over the course of seasons and multiple seasons as as long as he's our manager. See, because you know what, it's, it, it is important to have this context as well about backing him because I think when all is said and done, I do still, you know, I do still back yeah. him. I don't want him to go anywhere. I, you know, I, I, I think about it like, you know, there's a lot of this talk about Pochettino turning down Villa and stuff at the moment. I, do, I, do, I wouldn't want Pochettino to come back at, at this sort of point. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't want him to inherit kind of a, a maelstrom after somebody like Conte's walked out or whatever. Like, if, if I'm being brutally honest, right, I think the best time for Pochettino to come back will be when Harry Kane has left the club, basically, and he can rebuild the team properly afresh. You know, that's kind of when I'd like to see him back and give us a bit of a lift after that as well, after Kane. Kane and Son probably are gone. Um but I mean, because this is this is the question, right? If you if you're not if you're not kind of bought into Conte, if you don't want Conte there, I guess many people would say Pochettino. But who else? You know, Potter's gone to Chelsea now. Nagelsmann isn't looking quite the kind of visionary that he once was. You know, Bayern are sort of really struggling at the moment, or have been at least. I'm not really that in touch with the Bundesliga. I just knew that they had a pretty bad start to the season. They were looking to biff him off potentially. Um, and I do wonder, John, mate, do you think this plays into it at all? The stuff with Conte's contract, do you think it's harder to buy into a guy who you, there's still so much uncertainty around? Yeah, and I, I wonder how much of it is intentional on his side to, to make sure, you know, no, knowing Daniel Levy and like knowing Enoch and the way that they have treated other managers where they've sort of seemingly promised them stuff and then kind of gone back on their word a little bit and kind of restricted it. You know, is he playing his cards the best way he knows? Which is, you know, I've got I've got to give the threat of I could leave if you don't give me what I want because I need to make sure I can get what I want. And so, in some ways, he's acting on the best interests of of the fans, really. Which is like I need to get players in to yeah. to make sure we win stuff, which is what the fans want. So I think it's easy to go, oh, he needs to be a better, you know, club man. And Pochettino was a good club man, and we didn't have a sign in in the transfer window because for fucking three he just windows, was wasn't it? Being the good good statesman of the club and we know how that that ended so it doesn't pay always to be a statesman of the club and to be a good club man you can still get sacked if results don't go your way and so he's got to protect his interest which is on the pitch and getting things done so I'm I'm not mega concerned with that I do feel though that there's a happy medium where he could be more in tune with the fans and be more kind of like say that basically saying look you know I want to be here for the fans I want to do these things but the club need to promise me x y and z otherwise you know I'll have to leave I don't want to leave this great club and these great fans but x y and z but he doesn't he just goes direct to the point of what seems to be saying like this is beneath me so give me what I want otherwise I can't do it and that just I think just sort of sticks in our throat a little bit so I feel like he could do more for us to warm to him because you know the fans, I think, like by and large, are warming to him, and we we sing his name in the stadium, and we want to be invested. I want to be invested, and I heard someone saying, you know, this was before the United game. Like, do you? I think it was Flav on the fighting cock asking Thelonious, like, do you love him as much as you love Poch? And you know, T was getting towards that. I, I'm miles away from that, if I'm honest, and not not because of the football, just because I I don't feel the connection yet that I did with Pochettino to at the core what it means to be a fan and I don't think that's because I don't think I can never I'll never um, not feel that I feel that there's potential for for that to happen but I think he 
he needs to separate his um, business side with the club and the football relationship and the sort of football nostalgia, if you like, between us, like us and him. And so I think he needs to be a bit smarter about that because, yeah, if you if you need to force Levy's hand to get more money, fine. But don't do it at the expense of making us feel like you think the club is beneath you because that is not a good way to garner support. It's it's a funny one, isn't it? And I, I, I agree with you on that. I hadn't really ever put it that thought of it that way or really considered it, the, the, the idea of him kind of just ensuring that he manages to keep getting money from the club. Because I think one thing I will definitely say that I'm I'm not above you know I, I when I say that we're not Manchester City so you can't expect the sort of same level of spending it doesn't mean that we still can't be spending you know we we still are one of the richest clubs in the in the world we have probably the highest ticket prices in the world like I can I can genuinely barely afford to go to Spurs anymore it's so expensive do you know what I mean like it's 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 pretty mad so you, you there is no real excuse for us not to have that investment I think after the kind of the few years of Pochettino and feeling like we weren't putting much in I'm still sort of in this weird zone where I feel kind of grateful when we do sign players do you know what I mean which it it should it should really be that way but sometimes I do feel that way um let's just let's talk briefly about the Newcastle game John um yeah it it feels weirdly I mean these sort of terms they're, they're quite charged aren't they but it does feel kind of must win from a sort of morale perspective and yeah if, if let's let's forget about where arsenal are in the table let's forget about kind of trying to win the league or catch up or whatever just in terms of like the whole feeling around the club and the sort of i guess the sense of what newcastle are and them kind of trying to come in on our territory a bit we need to sort of send out a bit, a bit of a message to teams like that at the moment right don't we sort of tell them to sort of wait their place in the queue in a way for me yeah, and and I, to be honest, I th- I think we probably will because I, I think that United game was a was a was an abomination. <laughs> it was terrible, but I you know I do also think that a lot of players played badly. Right, it wasn't just a system versus system, and they were much better than us. We played our best, they played their best, and they beat us. We we were shit, and players were shit. So forget like Conte's element. He, you know, he can't make a player control a ball better in in that moment or pass five yards or make a mad decision. It's the broader system and it has its issues, but players also played badly. And I don't think you'll get that many players all playing badly in the same game again. Our home record's been really good since under Conte. And this season it's been really good. And I expect us to to play well and get back to um, you know, better form and, and do well. And I think it is important because, you know, like I said before, if you if we reset our um expectations of, of like, oh maybe we could win something under Conte immediately and just think top four this is a game we have to win. So yeah, I, I think it is important just for, you know, forget about them and forget about the sort of wider context around why it's important to to beat them. I think just for the season, like we need to get back on track pretty quickly and the games are going to be stacking up as well. I don't want this Conte's no good at two games a week narrative to start seeping in already because that will, again, not help us from a um, mm. psychological point of view either. Is there anyone you want to see starting like, specifically in this in this game because I'd like to see Sesson Young come back I think Perisic has had a bit of a mare the past couple of games yeah yeah. I am um, it's funny though isn't it because like if this was like FIFA and I was like forced to play a certain way and now it's like you can do whatever you want change whatever you want I would completely overhaul most of the squad I, I actually like 3-5-2 as the system but 
to be honest, when you were talking about Kulisevsky earlier, and I was thinking the, the main reason that we struggle is because we don't have a Kulisevsky replacement, but we do have a player who is sort of similar but doesn't play, which is Brian Hill. And he never gets a, he never gets to play. And I sort of think, like, is it better to change to a 3-5-2 because we don't have Kulisevsky or keep with the same system and just change to a player who's not as good as Kulisevsky but is broadly the similar profile so you keep some consistency there? And so part of me kind of feels like it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to give him some minutes and just see what he does in that position. You can always change to go back to um, 3-5-2 quite easily and just take him off if it's not working. I'd also like, again, to see... I would like to see Sessegnon and I'd like to see Spence because I'd like to see us have some pace on the pitch because I think one of the things that we did struggle with um, against not just United but in other games is... We're good on the counter because we have Son, who's rapid, and Kulisevsky is a great ball carrier, and Kane is a great passer. When you take like Kulisevsky out of that, and Kane's dropping deep to pick up the ball, you only have one runner really who's got any pace. And so I, I do feel like with Sessegnon and Spence as the fullbacks, if you do play play three five two, and they're going to be much higher up the pitch, that's that is much more dangerous for us because then suddenly you have maybe both fullbacks and Son running in behind. It's just more threat. So. Yeah, and I'd also like to bring Longley in because I feel like he... Davis has been decent, I think, under Conte. But I feel like he's just a better progressor of the ball. I basically want to see more talented footballers on the pitch at the same time um, because the players we've got are quite workmanlike and either lack pace or lack technicality. Like, Royale is a, a specimen. He can get up and down, he's strong and all the rest of it, but he's technically pretty poor. Perisic is, like... Technically very good, but his physicality is not there anymore. He's got a little bit older, he's a bit slow, and he's he's pretty bad going you know, the other way defensively. So, yeah, I'd bring in Sessegnon, I'd bring in Spence, I'd bring in um, like Hill, potentially, if we're going to play you know, the three up front. It's funny, that one, Hill, man. It's, he's so, I've loved his little cameos, right? I think yeah. he's kind of, I think he's really shown he's really up for it. You do, I, I would just worry about his physicality in the Premier League. That's the thing, but, yeah, you're, but just, only, you're up for rolling the dice. Yeah, but there's only one way that he gets better at that is to play, right? There's there's been loads of players who came into the Premier League and they got barged off the ball. Mm. I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo is a prime example. Yeah, he used to get pushed off the ball, go down. Everyone's like, oh, he's not got it. He hasn't got the physicality of the Premier League. It's like, but the only way that these players get used to it and get better is to play in it and to get used to it and to build up strength. And we've seen it with Sessegnon over the summer. Like he's he's built himself up because he now understands what the expectations are. You know, there's a load of diminutive players who play in the Premier League. Now, I'm not I'm not comparing Brian Hill to Cristiano Ronaldo or to these players I'm about to name, but like Bernardo Silva, David Silva, these players are small. They're not strong, but they, they built themselves up to a point where they could use their body as best they can to get the most out of playing in a, in a physical league. I just feel like, why do we sign players if they never play for us? Genuinely. And if we're flying and Kudasevsky's fit, of course he doesn't play, but right now he's not fit. And it's a player we spent a decent amount of money on who's played a you know, decent amount of football in a decent league in Spain. It's not nobody. It's not just some random we've plucked out of the mm. academy. Like He gets played tens of thousands of pounds to play football. How bad can he be in comparison to what, we've, what, we've, what we're seeing? Like, I'm just a firm believer in younger players being, who need to prove something being given more of a chance. I understand, again... Conte is very much like I need experienced warrior men which again is is Mourinho's mantra right and part of the reason his decline started happening because he was like there aren't any of these warrior men players left 
It's like well, there aren't, but there are shitloads of talented youngsters who are really technically gifted. So why can't we just see them? Um, all of those changes, by the way, I don't expect to see. Uh, <laughs> we might see Sessegnon and we might see Perisic as part of the front three if he goes back to the sort of three four three formation. But we're not going to see Spence start um, for a long time, I don't think, which is very annoying. Do you think his? Uh, do you think how bad Basuma was against United vindicates Conte at all? Because he has sort of made the point of saying of Basuma and of Spence that they're not ready, right? Yeah, but I, but again, I think it's like in the same way as one game, someone playing brilliantly doesn't make, mean that right. That's it. They've got to start every game, and they're the best player we've ever had. Um, one bad game when you have we haven't as a team we haven't played that system very often. We've changed to it in game. Um, <clears throat> it doesn't necessarily prove that he's not good enough and not ready. Right? Everybody played badly in that system. He came on the other day and played brilliantly in that system. So. I don't know. I think we need to basically have a, a run of games playing it with him playing to really decide whether or not he's ready or not. I think just like throwing players into games and going, oh, they go, they didn't play well, so therefore they're not ready, is as useful as they come on and did brilliant. It's like, right, they've got to start every game forever now. I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it, we just need more time to see what these players are going to actually do long term. Just finally, mate, in closing, because Jurgen Klopp, recently has sort of been complaining about Newcastle and mm. he's been getting pelters for that you know you signed Allison and you signed Van Dyke and stuff but to me it felt sort of tribal churlish stuff I thought he was making a pretty reasonable point and I can imagine being a manager of a club like Liverpool that's I think Klopp knows his best days at Liverpool are probably behind him now um, that it's sort of downhill from here basically like Newcastle like just fuck off yeah, just you know, Newcastle. Like, do you hate it? I fuck it. I just, I can't stand it. You know, it's so, it's irritating. You know, I hate Newcastle and I hate City, and no one hates City because City stop their their respective rivals from winning stuff because no one really gives a shit about City in that way. I think we all need to start hating City for what they are. Like they are an a perpetual evil that is ruining football. It's ruining enjoyment of football. That is ruining the competition of football. And they do it under the guise of being like neutral because no one really hates them. You know, even United, their biggest rival is Liverpool, and Liverpool's biggest rival is Man United. So those two, as long as one of those doesn't win the league, we hate Arsenal. So therefore, we're happy if City win the league. So Arsenal can't win the league. It's just this weird. They've just got this weird cloak of being neutral as a as a hate figure. We should all all football fans should despise City, loathe them. And I loathe them and I despise them. And I'm going to start actively wanting them to lose. Maybe not this season with Arsenal. <laughs> but after that, after that, I'm fully on board with just everyone should just hate City. They should hate them. Unless and Arsenal everyone... are good next year as well. Exactly. But as long, as, long as, as long as City are doing what they're doing and getting a free ride from everyone, then football is just over as you know, a competition for what we love it for. So fuck City. Fuck Newcastle, fuck PSG and all these state-sponsored football monopoly money mugs. Fuck them all. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free 
or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.